Blog Talk Radio. Larry Lock Henderson 
from Brooklyn, New York, with a little rap education, trying to reach the young people any and every way he can. Thank you so much for joining us this second show of Black History Month. That's right, the second show of Black History Month. We all know it only has 28 days, so I'm trying to get it in and sit it in. And today, the title of our show, the title of our show today is something that I hope crosses political party lines and hopefully even racial lines and any other barrier that separates us. It's called Abolishment of Slavery from the 13th Amendment. Abolishment of Slavery from the 13th Amendment. I bet you all thought that slavery was gone. Well, read the 13th Amendment and tell me if that's true. Well, I once again, this is Our Own Voices Live. The title of our show is Abolishment of Slavery from the 13th Amendment. Our Own Voices Live is a radio show featuring people and stories from our community in Las Vegas, the surrounding area, and someplace near you. America is the greatest country on earth due to its cultural diversity and not in spite of it. Our mission is to help bridge the culture and ethnic divide in America by working together to build the greatest bridge in history to unite us. And some of the ways we do it is with like shows. Our Own Voices Live, Our Own Voices Live is a part of the Speak Up Network. We have Brother Thomas Berry with Rant Radio up in the Twin Cities area. We have Brother Lee Vaughn in the Beemore area with Real Radio, radio established to address life. Come to you on Saturdays at 11 a.m. East Coast time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern time. And then, of course, we have uh, Brother Jay Devon here at Las Vegas Rocks. We also have uh, Franklin G. on Power 88 with Like It Is Radio. So if you have been to Las Vegas area, you got to tune in there, uh, especially on Fridays because that brother at 10 o'clock, mm, he gets about an hour to bring it to you. And he's also the sponsor and the founder of Black Weekend coming up on February, I believe it's the 23rd. So if you're in the Las Vegas area, please stop in and take in some of the culture that we're creating. Las Vegas is often said not to have culture, especially when it's associated with African Americans. And I've said, well, let's build it then. And that's what Franklin G. sure has done with Black Weekend. Of course, Our Own Voices Live and OurOwnVoices.com, Our Own Voices on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, everything is Our Own Voices. And, of course, we have Our Own Voices Live, the radio show. Uh, you can go to any of those top forms of social media to stay in contact with us. And I hope that you do, not only during the show, but during the week. Uh, Our Own Voices actually came from Our Own Voices, the print and digital magazine that talked about not only black culture, but also the, everyone else's culture because we're all Americans and we all came someplace other than the Native Americans that were here when those Europeans discovered, I, see, I have the air hash quote going on, uh, America. So uh, we thought that if we educated ourselves on our own history and culture, we educated other people on our history and culture, and we got a chance to learn theirs that maybe, just maybe, that would remove 
at least one brick in the wall that divides us. And from that one brick, there would be more, and it would come quicker. So that's sort of the theory behind Our Own Voices, the print magazine, as well as everything else that's Our Own Voices. So that gave you the lead-in. There's a lot of news that's happened this week, of course, with our president, a lot of things going on. And those things are going to go on. Uh, even on my Facebook page, there's some political discussion. But the political discussion that I want to bring to you today is the abolishment of slavery from the 13th Amendment. And it is a political discussion because amendments to the Constitution, in order for them to be changed, you have to have a large percentage of the state that will ratify those changes. And I thought, well, Nevada was born out of the Civil War. Nevada was born out of the desire to increase the chances of Lincoln winning the election. I mean, that really is what it, what it was about. Lincoln wanted to ensure that he would win re-election. And believe it or not, Nevada at the time was a part of the Utah Territory. And Nevada and those people in the Utah Territories on the east and the west side of it didn't get along. Primarily, they were Protestants and Mormons. They were having their own little, I guess you could say, territorial civil war. And the Protestants and Lincoln made a deal that he would give them statehood if they would guarantee they would vote for him because we had an electoral process, right? Uh, also, Nevada is rich with silver, and later they found gold, as well as other minerals. So Nevada became very important to Lincoln in the, for the Civil War, the successful execution of the Civil War, because not did he just get votes to win pre the presidency, which he actually didn't need because he won overwhelmingly, but it gave him something that the North was running short on, and that was money and the silver from the Nevada mines and the Comstock load actually helped Lincoln further uh, persecute the war. And to a certain extent, very similarly to how the United States uh, won the Cold War with Russia, is he, Lincoln had more money to outspend them. So that led to the, uh, the North, the Union soldiers beating the Confederacy, winning the war, Right, And so you would think that slavery would be over there. Well, no, because slavery is a political institution. It needed the politics of the day to go through the process, officially abolish slavery. And that process, a part of it, was they had to give those Africans citizenship. And one of the ways they did it was that there had to be, first of all, something that got rid of slavery so that they could come into citizenship. So here is how the 13th Amendment reads. And I want you all, I'm going to read the whole thing and then we'll break it down. So it goes, in Section 1, neither slavery nor involuntarily, involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted 
shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. And then it has Section 2. 2 is very important. Congress shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. But let's go back up to Section 1. Section 1 of the 13th Amendment. I'm going to read it again, and I'm going to throw some punctuation in there for you. So Section 1 of the 13th Amendment goes, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, comma. So neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, comma, except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, comma, shall exist within the United States or any other place to their jurisdiction. Now, one of the reasons why I wanted to put those commas in is because when you use clause in the middle of a sentence, and what you do is you separate it with commas because the comma causes a pause, right? Well, in this case, they're inserting something into the thought process. So it starts out, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude. But then, encased in commas, it says, except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted. And then there's another comma. And then it goes on to read, uh, shall exist. So if you took out that clause, where they have the commas that inserts a thought, the sentence would read this way, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude shall exist within the United States. Notice the difference, because when you use dual commas to insert a clause that way, you should be able to read the sentence properly without the clause, without the commas and without the clause. So it is an inserted thought. So what this is saying, so it says slavery is abolished, right? Need the slavery nor involuntary servitude, involuntary servitude. But then it gives an exclusion, an exception. And that exception is unless you're convicted of a crime. What I'm saying to you all today, and the reason why I'm doing this show, is because America is supposed to be the beacon of hope for freedom. Of course, in the boundaries of the United States of America, but as the leader of the free world, for all of the world to see it as free. But yet, this country that is the beacon of hope, that shiny city on a hill, still in its constitution, still allows for slavery. This is February 11th. 2017, and the United States of America, in its constitution, its founding document that fought a war, killed millions of people, that was, well, hundreds of thousands at least, that was designed, a war designed to abolish slavery, still finds that it authorizes slavery. Now, some people, when I posted this on Facebook, 
one of the or some of the comments that I got in return was that don't do the crime if you can't do the time. You know, that's that old Beretta slogan. Remember Beretta? uh, Detective, private eye, made it hip, right? Don't do the don't do the crime unless you're willing to do the time. But here's here's the issue with that is we don't need to have a clause for slavery in our constitution to incarcerate someone. It's not in other countries constitution or papers of establishment and they have people in jail. So it, it makes you wonder why is it in the United States Constitution still in 2017? February 11th, excuse me, fe- yeah, February 11th, 2017. And yet the United States of America still allows slavery. I'm suggesting, requesting that we as a collective voice raise it and tell our elected officials that it should be removed from our Constitution. Now, some people say, well, Rodney, we got bigger fishes to fry. We got bigger fish to fry. We have bigger issues going on. It's not important. And I can understand why people would say that because, you know, for the most part, we've been kind of happy with it in there, right? There's been no major outcry for the abolition of slavery from the Constitution. Most people think it's gone. This is another great reason why we have to have Black History Month and why we have to teach African-American history and culture throughout all of our curricular and education because slavery has not been totally eradicated or, as in the title of the show today, abolished from America because the 13th Amendment still allows for slavery in the United States of America. 347-826-9600. And if you would uh, like to call in and share your thoughts on our topic today about the abolishment of slavery from the 13th Amendment, again, give us a call at 347-826-9600. That's nine six zero zero, and press the number one on your keypad. That let that lets me know that you are not just listening; that you want to talk, and I can see the listeners out there. So, if any of you want to chat with us, uh, press uh, the number one on your keypad. So, slavery is authorized to exist in the United States of America, the beacon of hope of the free world, the shining city on the hill. You know, we have the lady in the harbor with her torch where people who came into this country through Ellis Island could see it. It was almost as if that was the physical embodiment of America and freedom. Come to us, come to America and experience freedom. But yet in this country with that lady in the harbor who is acting as that beacon, that shining city on the hill, comes into New York, the city of light. But in spite of all of that, we are a country that through its constitution allows for slavery. 
So going back to the clause, it says in the clause, the exception for the abolition, the abolishment of slavery and involuntary servitude is the exception is as a punishment for crime where the party shall have been duly convicted. Now, an interesting thing happened after the Civil War and slavery was abolished. A lot of black people went to jail. And if you look at the prison population today, you find that there's a greater percentage of African Americans in there than anyone else. How can that be when we're only about 12 or 13% of the population? And once you go to jail, and especially depending on what crime you were convicted of, well, I mean, like a slave, you're stripped of all your citizenship rights. You don't have the right to vote, right? You, you don't have it. Now, you're not stripped of all of your citizenship rights because you, you can go to court and you, you still have to have due process and all of those things. So that was some hyperbole. That was exaggeration. You're not stripped of all your citizenship rights, but you are stripped of your right to vote. But according to the Constitution, you can be enslaved. Now, what does enslavement mean today? So if you're in prison, the prison, the warden, the guard, they, they, you know, there's the, like the master and the overseers, right? They, they own you. So if you are a prison and let's say company A or B, C, or D, take your choice, contracts with you, contracts with the warden or the master, and says, I want to use your labor to get out this product. Now, I haven't checked in a minute, but it used to be that inmates got paid about 11 cents an hour, if they got paid at all, 11 cents an hour. Now, we all know that the minimum wage that many people call slave wages is a heck of a lot more than 11 cents an hour. But because prisoners are a special class of Americans, they're still Americans, they're just a special subclass or subcategory, subgroup of people in America, things that are required for other people no longer required for them. So they can be farmed out to business A, B, C, or D. And there's some, there's some rules, depending on which state you're in and all that, that dictates how this can happen. But those inmates, those prisoners can, notice I said can, be farmed out. And I use farm because that's what they used to call them. They, they would put the work on the farm. But those people can be farmed out as labor to a company. Remember the old road game? I don't know if many of you are from the South, but they used to have the road gangs. And the road gangs used to be inmates that were digging ditches and, and building roads, or cleaning up the, on the side of the road. It wasn't like they were getting paid for that. You know, that was a part of what they did because they're owned by the master, by the warden. And they have the guards, the overseers, to ensure that they don't escape. So to a certain extent, we, we were seeing slavery right before our eyes, but we didn't know it. But when company A, B, C, or D comes in to that warden, to that slave master, and hires those people out to work for him, 
he doesn't pay them the prevailing wage. He or she doesn't pay the prevailing wage. I mean, because, heck, if you're working on an assembly line, assuming we still have them in America, or any other type of manual labor, laborious work, farm work used to be one of those. Well, if you have to pay someone minimum wage, which is, I think, at least $7 an hour, now, if you and, and but you're still making a profit, right? But let's say you go to that warden, that slave master, and you you cut a deal with the warden, and you tell a warden that you want to hire out his inmates. Let's say I'm gonna just pull out a number for two dollars an hour. Now the 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 warden has to pay, depending on where you are. And it used to be eleven cents an hour, and I think that even there was flex even in that. But for those places where that's what it is, the warden pays eleven cents to his inmates, but he's hiring them out for let's say two dollars an hour. That company, bottom line, profit shares just increase dramatically because seven dollars an hour, and this is depending on which state you're into, that's the minimum wage, no longer has to pay that. Oh, and guess what else is no longer paid for by that employer? Don't have to pay for any health care. Nope. No health care. I don't even think they have to pay for Social Security. So look at how much just tangible dollars right off the bat going from just a minimum wage, $7, to let's say $2, right? The warden is, I don't know what they do with the money, whether it goes to the treasury or it goes to the prison. I haven't been able to get that information yet. But the warden is paying inmates 11 cents. But he just signed a contract for that same labor for $2 an hour, hypothetically. Look at how much money that warden is bringing into the coffers of that facility or the state or the feds, whoever it is that's controlling it. And that business is basically working those inmates who have no say-so about it normally. Well, that's slavery. Indentured servitude at best or some combination thereof. But that's just the financial part, which gives people a reason to do it, because we know that money is a great motivator. But here's another thing. Thomas Paine, yes, right, D. Thomas Paine, one of the founding fathers, he talked about what happens not just to the enslaved, to those who are the masters of the slaves. It talks about what it does to a person mentally to dehumanize another human so that they can turn them into their slaves. And it's nothing nice. Thomas Paine. You can read that in the book, Call of All Things, Common Sense. He talks about what it does to the psyche of a person, of one human, who dehumanizes another so that they can be a slave. You can see some anecdotal evidence of this by looking at some of the old lynching pit photos. And in these lynching photos, 
And I'm going to throw another word out there that I want you all to look up, and it's called picnic. In these lynching photos, you would see whites in a festive environment, a festive environment, laughing, joking, smiling, pointing, and even having their children with them and pointing out what was happening to their children. What was going on in the minds of those adults and what were they creating in the minds of those children? Is there any wonder that the dehumanization of the black man in America, and I'm using man generally, so that includes woman, of the black person in America, is it any wonder how we're often seen as less than, some cases even subhuman? Perpetuated this. When I say we, I'm talking about America because I'm an American. But today, in the 21st century, we still allow for slavery. What does it do to the minds of the people today to enslave another person? I suggest it does the same thing that it did over 100 years ago. That's right. And one of the why I started this, I live in Las Vegas, Nevada. And I mentioned earlier that Nevada, it's the, it's, it's, its nickname is Battle Born. That, that's its, its phrase, its slogan. And the reason for getting that nickname was because Nevada was a state that was created out of the Civil War by Lincoln to give him more electoral votes to stop the killing and territorial civil war that was going on in the Utah territories at the time. And it gave Lincoln access to the great wealth of Nevada through silver that helped fund the war, that really broke the back of the Confederates because they just couldn't keep up financially. And I thought, in the Nevada legislature today, Democrats control both houses. I'm talking the Assembly and the Senate. And here's a, here's a historical fact for Nevada and this country is that in this legislative cycle, Nevada has not only an African-American speaker of the assembly, but the leader of the Senate for the first time, I believe, is African-American. And for sure, it is the first time that both chambers, both houses, the assembly and the legislature, have an African-American at the helm as the speaker and the leader. Jason Frierson in the assembly and Aaron Ford in the Senate, the state Senate. And in order to have resolutions, in order to have amendments to the Constitution, you have to get the state to ratify it. And what better state to lead this movement than my adoptive state of Nevada in a time, a historic moment, when both leaders of the legislative branch just happen to be African-Americans, and I believe both are lawyers. 
So, because how can you justify slavery? What what can you use to justify it? And a state that was born, that was birthed out of the Civil War, the war to end slavery, I mean, it was other reasons for the war, but that was a part of it too, and let us not short shirt that. But why shouldn't Nevada be the one to lead this movement? And not only is the Nevada legislature Democratic, which is supposed to be the party of black people, right? I'm not saying that it is, but that's how it is because the majority of black people, African-Americans, are registered Democrats. In Nevada, the majority of African-Americans are registered Democrats. And that even though we're 8% of the state's population, right now we have both leaders of our state house are African-Americans. That's right. So if we want to start this movement, you would think that Nevada is uniquely suited to start the movement of the abolishment of slavery from the 13th Amendment by passing a resolution at first and then putting it out there for all the other states to see and encouraging their fellow legislators throughout this country to do the same. Because there's no reason for it. And, and I'm going to ask you all, 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600, please call in and share with me and the other listeners why we have to have slavery in our Constitution today. Because I want to see what I'm missing. 347 Press option one, 347-826-9600. Press the number one on your keypad. I believe it's outdated. I don't think it was ever needed, and surely not today. Slavery in America, land of the free, home of the brave, really? I don't see the need nor the justification. There is no need. What justification? This should be one that goes across, you know, party lines, goes across the aisle. I never believed in the party line in the aisle because they should all be for Americans. Well, okay, let's press the test. Since the whole objective of different groups being in leadership positions and being in politics is so that they can have power to exercise things that otherwise may be overlooked, not necessarily because people are purposely doing it, but it's just not their thing. You know, there are some things that unionists need that doesn't really apply to me. Now, it doesn't mean that I will support them or not, but that's not where my focus is, so I don't think about those things. So I, I can understand why up until now, it still has stayed in the Constitution. But we are at now, and I don't see why it should be in it any further. As a matter of fact, let's change the 13th and these 28th, Black History Month. Let's get this movement started. That means call your elected officials, email them, 
use social media to tell them that as Americans, we believe that slavery should be totally abolished. I mean, every vestige of it removed from any type of authorization in the American Constitution today. What do you all think about that? should be bipartisan, right? Just, just imagine the imagery of Attorney General Sessions having to be a part of this. I think it could happen, and I think it should start in Nevada. I mean, whoever's listening, if you could start it wherever you are, by all means do it. And if you happen to beat Nevada to the punch on this one, well, it's too bad for us because we should have been the first. And when we got those black legislators there, that should have been something high on their agenda. I know that in Nevada, our students are having problems reading. We have a high uh, prison, school-to-prison pipeline. Maybe it has something to do with this amendment. Maybe there is some intangible, some things that we don't see day-to-day that impact the behaviors of people who want to have slavery in America because there's a financial benefit. Of course, it's always about power, too, because when people go to jail, especially on a felony, and they have a lot of their rights removed, when they get out of jail, they don't have all of their rights restored and those that are, oftentimes it's not automatic. So how can we read those words in the Declaration of Independence about those inalienable rights, in other words, those God-given rights of freedom, when in America we still have slavery listed in our Constitution? 347 347-826-9600. Press the number one on your keypad to, to chat. And actually, we have a caller. Let me bring them in and, and see what they have to say. Good afternoon. You're on Our Own Voices Live, and our topic today is the abolishment of slavery from the 13th Amendment. Did you have a question or comment for us? Yes, sir. Rodney, this is uh, Ed Austin, man. How are you today? Hey, I am doing well, brother, and yourself. I cannot complain, man. Uh, beautiful day, even with a little bit of rain. Still a beautiful day. Um, I wanted to add uh, a little bit of complexity, possibly. Um, you said a couple of seconds ago to um, was really when it comes to taking slavery and all of the vestiges of slavery out. Um, I think that that's probably the root of a lot of the problems that we have. A lot of things are still definitely um, with, with our society. They have vestiges in slavery, i.e., the electoral college. Um, so when we look at the way the presidents are chosen, uh, when we look at the way um, where it used to be the three-fifths compromise, but still those things still have roots in slavery. And so when you start plucking stuff up, there's a whole lot of other things that are going to come with it, right? And so I think that there's a lot of uh, recalcitrance to really digging into some of these issues because the roots really do run deep. And so when you um, attack a system and um, definitely a systemic issues here, uh, people start getting really, really antsy because that's going to affect, like you said, their power, their money, and it's also going to affect 
um, people's image of America. And I think a lot of us as Americans haven't come to deal with the fact that we have a very complex history. It's a, uh, a challenging history on a lot of fronts, but it is still our history. Yes, it is our history. It is our story. And we wrote the story, and it's still being written. But I, I will say this, though, and I appreciate the point that, that you made because I see them. America has always been described as a great experiment, and I think sometimes we forget that before us there really was no one else set up politically like us, a republic that has a democratic process that also embraces capitalism, and also is a beacon for those for religious freedom. And we, some people, including myself, say that those are the three uh, legs of the stool that has supported America and really helped it to uh, be a successful experiment to date above all others. But it doesn't take away the fact that it is an experiment. And sometimes when you do an experiment, everything may not work out as it should, and a good scientist will go back and look at what they have done. They'll look at where they are, they look at how they got there, and then they'll look at how they started. And when things aren't working well, they'll make adjustments, they'll make changes, they will study the process, and they'll make changes. We are very slow at doing that in America, especially with certain issues, and usually those that are associated with black people. In America today, we have more people incarcerated than any communist or former communist country. As a matter of fact, we just have more people incarcerated in America than any other place in the world. And because our including China, including China, including North Korea, how about that? Right, right. Including Iran, you know, the great Satan. We have Mm -hmm. more people incarcerated than any of those, and a good percentage of them just happen to be African American. I think when you think, go ahead, brother. Uh oh, and are you are you there? Okay, you're you're breaking up a little bit, so I'm gonna give you a little time to get it clear. Is that better? Much better. Thank you. Okay. Um, I think that, and I'm not against capitalism, but I think that one of the challenges that we have is that we've made capitalism synonymous with America. And so the capitalist system doesn't always work for all persons. And so when, um, when you have a system, any system, that can be exploited. That's why whenever um, new legislation comes out, um, it's already many times has the handprint of many different businesses on the front end. Whether they agree with it or not, they're going to be involved in the conversation to make sure that they can be uh, positively impacted by the end product, right? So, like, there were people who were looking at no child left behind, didn't care about the kids or being left behind. But what they were looking at is how can we finance or how can we um, benefit financially from this? Same thing, in my opinion, um, when it comes to the prison industrial complex, um, it is um, has has the hands of many uh, businesses on it, and a lot of the elected officials are benefiting from these um, from these businesses. They're contributing to their campaigns. Um, they are um, 
financially supporting their family members. And so when you, excuse me, when you really look at what, and so I do agree that it would be good to to uh, to abolish um, slavery and to and to I don't know how that would happen if it would be rephrasing the Thirteenth Amendment or uh, an amendment to the amendment. I don't know exactly how that would happen to be honest, but I do think it would be great. But I think that we also have to be honest with ourselves as long as we have capitalism as a cornerstone of the country and not capitalism as far as letting a uh, economic system um, be there, but capitalism is, as far as that being a part of America, as far as that being um, uh, uh, not just an economic engine, but being something that really drives policy. I think too much capitalism drives policy instead of um, the other way around. I don't think we make legislation or regulations that tell businesses what to do. I think businesses tell us what legislation and regulation will happen. So um, when we, in my opinion, when we marry ourselves so much to capitalism and honestly what we haven't had, when you look at slavery, that's not real capitalism. Um, when you look at uh, at Jim Crow, that wasn't real capitalism. When you look at right now where the banks are uh, are eating up the small banks, that's not real capitalism. We're not really allowing people to uh, to control, to like the poem if says, be the master of their faith, the captain of their soul. Uh, I'm sorry, Invictus. But when you're, we're not really experiencing real capitalism. We're experiencing capitalism as a part of government, not a separate industry, I mean, a separate uh, entity, rather. So let me let me jump in because I want to I want to break down the capitalist piece a lot, because uh, what I want to share with you about capitalism is that capitalism. I mean, I, I agree with all the points that you made about it, but capitalism as we talk about it in America today is not the capitalism that actually exists in America and is not the actual capitalism that was envisioned on the founding of America. Uh, people think of capitalism in America and our, our parties, depending on which side you're on, often talk about the free market. And you'll often hear, you'll often hear uh, certain phrases pitting capitalism against socialism. Mm-hmm. Well, the reality is that the form of capitalism that we practice in America and have always practiced to one degree or the other is, is technically called socialist capitalism. Mm-hmm. Now, Social Security is a great example on the extreme side of our form of capitalism because if we actually had capitalism, that free market, everyone does their own thing type of stuff that you hear them talk about, there would be no room for uh, Social Security and a bunch of other programs that we have. And the most ardent, conservative, uh, the most, uh, the, the biggest tea partier out there, if you ask them if they want to give up their Social Security check, if you ask them if they want to give up that, that Medicaid and, and especially Medicare, they all say no. So on one mouth they say one side of their mouth they say one thing, on another side of their mouth they say the other. But the reason for that is because the body politic and the media has perpetuated a falsehood, and that is America's home of the free market system, and it has pure capitalism which never was and probably never will be. 
And that's something that we need to embrace and educate ourselves as well as others so that we're not manipulated to fight amongst ourselves over something that simply isn't true. So that's one of the things that I wanted to say about the the capitalist piece. The other piece is I will say this about capitalism. Capitalism is the engine that has fueled many of the successes of America. And because capitalism, a certain amount of it is about greed. And I would also say that in the truest form and the purest form of capitalism that we don't actually practice, but that they say that we're practicing, monopoly and the destruction of any opponent of a particular business is an innate form of capitalism because it is survival of the citizen. But to your point, there is a need for capitalism, but I believe we need to practice it as it's actually supposed to be, and that is what, we're, what you actually learn in school, that the form of capitalism that we practice in America today is actually socialist or social capitalism. Uh, now, Brother, I believe you are running for office, correct? Uh, yes, sir, I am. Tell, tell the folks, again, who you are, what office you're running for, and a little bit about why you're running and how they can get a hold of you. Fantastic. Um, my name is Ender Austin III, and I am um, running for North Las Vegas um, City Council um, Ward 3. Um, and a little bit about me, uh, I'm a father of two. I'm actually uh, getting ready for my five-year-old's birthday party today, um, and I have a okay. two-year-old as well. I've been married for um, nine years now. And I've been in the city of North Las Vegas for just about my whole life, middle school and high school here. Um, went to college actually in the city of Las Vegas um, at UNLV. And then shortly after I got married, we moved back to the same neighborhood that I grew up in. Uh, I'm running um, largely because we do not have, in my opinion, the people's voice. What we have are people who are uh, too closely connected to other voices. And so uh, we have about 8% voter turnout when, uh, with the last um, election four years ago. What that tells me is that we who are in the elected ministry, we who are working on behalf of the people, are not actually impacting the people. Once you impact the people, you don't have to beg them to come out and vote. And so my goal, my charge, um, is to actually connect with the people and so that they understand that they do have a voice at City Hall and every other place I'm at, um, and how you can connect with me. Um, I'm at E-N-D-E-R-A-U-S-T-I-N-I-I-I on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Snapchat, Instagram, and my website is Ender, uh, I'm sorry, it's Austin, A-U-S-T-I-N, the number four, the letters N-V.com, that's Austin4NV.com, uh, I'm there. Um, everywhere, and I'm looking forward to talking with folks from all over the country, all over the world, to see how their municipalities make it work so that we can, uh, together as a collective, push our society forward. So, Ender, I have a question for you, and, and the reason why I'm asking you is because what I'm telling people as of today in this show is that we have to tell those who are running for office and those who are in office what it is that we want. And then we should determine who we vote for by whether or not those people in office or running for office 
will do the things that we've requested of them. So Absolutely. as we're talking about the abolishment of slavery from the 13th Amendment that many people may not even know is still in there, as a legislator on the city level, as a city councilman, would you be willing to support a resolution from the North Las Vegas City Council to encourage our legislative branch to pass a resolution themselves to start the process of removing and authorizing slavery in the United States Constitution's 13th Amendment? Absolutely. I think um, it's a wonderful, in my opinion, symbolic, but I think it is a wonderful gesture. I think that our politics have a lot of symbolic gestures. So to say that, oh, it doesn't do anything, I don't think that that's a real reason not to do it. Um, I think that um, at, at the municipal level, there's some things that we can absolutely do to combat um, the prison industrial complex that is statistically that I was destined for. Um my mom was a single parent for a good portion of my childhood. Um, I grew up um, with what folk would maybe say an anger problem or whatever. Uh, I was a good student, but definitely was hyperactive at some point in my life. So uh, the prison industrial complex and the school to prison pipeline, those were things that I was statistically destined for. Um, but thank God for his grace and his mercy that I'm not there. But when I look at the city of North Las Vegas and look at the way we – penalize people for traffic tickets, uh, something that I'm very, very big on when you look at people um, going to jail for getting a traffic ticket. You know what I mean? Um, that, that, and that really allows people to have a, a wonderful foray, I'm being sarcastic, um, into the prison industrial complex. Um, there are things that not only can we do as far as writing a resolution and leaning on uh, the legislators that actually represent the city of North Las Vegas, but there are things we can also do at the municipal level to ensure that we're not participating in it. Right now, the city of North Las Vegas doesn't even use its own jail. We actually are um, using other jails to house people. So in my mind is if we can't afford to keep folk uh, in jail, we probably shouldn't have the ones who aren't dangerous. you got a bench warrant. Um, you got a jaywalking ticket, um, you mouth off to a cop, maybe we shouldn't keep you in jail and pay a hundred some dollars a day. Um, but I definitely uh, do believe that uh, it, it, it was, is not a bad thing. I can't see any downside to the legislature picking this up. Um, and I think that we have to go further than that to actually begin to dismantle the school to prison pipeline. That's why I'm so ardent about education. That's why I'm so um, so very, very driven behind that uh, so that we can really pull our kids out um, because we know that if they're not reading by third grade, that they're already building a prison for them, building a jail cell for them. So we definitely have to um, have to break the prison industrial complex and the school to prison pipeline. We have to break it at two or three different places. I think that to just say that um, – we want to quit sending people to jail. I think that that's um, a good place, but that can't be the only thing we do. We have to also look at why are people going to jail, look at poverty, look at education level, look at opportunity for economic growth. We have to look at all of those um, facets of, uh, of the school to prison pipeline and the prison industrial complex and then break the neck of every single one of those issues. Well, I appreciate you speaking so passionately about the things that you believe in. I'm guessing those are 
some of your platforms for running for city council. As one who's run for office myself, it is not as glamorous as people may think. It is hard (laughs) work. It, It is long hours. You get to hear people say things about you that have no basis in reality or, or facts. Uh, you get to hear people twist your words around. And for those who have families, you're spending a lot of time away from your family. But that is the commitment that those who truly believe have and are willing to sacrifice for the betterment because everyone's not in a position to run. So I appreciate you, young man, for uh, stepping out on faith and uh, looking out for, you, for your, your fellow man, your fellow woman, because we need good people out there, and we need people to make some hard decisions, to say some things that may not be politically proper or politically expedient. And some of the things that you talk about, you know, those aren't things of expediency, but those are things of a necessity. So big shout out to you. Tell them again who you are and how they can get a hold of you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, Ender Austin the third, and um, you can um, reach me um, on any social media platform at E N D E R A U S T I N I I I. You can reach me uh, via telephone at seven zero two two zero six two four seven zero, and you can email me at Ender E N D E R at Austin A U S T I N the number four nv.com. Well, thank you so much, brother, for taking time out of your day because I know Saturdays are normally family days, even though it's raining outside. But I appreciate you for, well, first of all, just for tuning into the show and even more so for calling in and sharing your thoughts on our topic as well as letting folks know that you are a man of the community that's running for what appears to be a lot of the right reasons. Thank you so much for calling in today. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. That was Ender Austin the third running for city council in North Las Vegas. Let me tell you, I, I've known this young man, and I call him a young man because he's younger than me. And because I'm fifty plus now, so I guess technically I'm not young, even though to someone seventy I'm young. But I've seen him at work in the community. I didn't know he was gonna call into the show and speak to all of you all today. But I'm so happy to know that he listens to the show because it's an Internet-based show. You know, it's not something that you just pull up on your radio when you hit the favorite button. So you actually have to go through something to find the show, to recognize it, and then to log on and listen, whether it's over the phone or the computer. And then it takes a little bit more to put yourself out there by calling in. And even more than that, to tell people that you're running for office. And let me tell you that even though I believe that the elimination of slavery from our Constitution's 13th Amendment, I believe it's hugely important. And I believe that it is something that should cross party lines. I'm also a realist. And I've read some of the comments that I posted on that that after I posted on Facebook that I that I received. So I know that everyone does not favor it. 
as I said at the top of the show, many people say, hey, don't do the crime if you cannot do the time. Not realizing that you do not have to be enslaved to be incarcerated. Now, I'm saying they don't realize it because I cannot imagine why else they would say it. So I know it's not popular even amongst African Americans. As a matter of fact, the majority of people who have spoken against the abolishment of slavery from the 13th Amendment happened African Americans. Now, I'd like to think that that's just my small circle of acquaintances that took the time to respond to my post. Because as that shining city on the hill, that beacon of hope in the harbor in New York, you know, that the Statue of Liberty which all passed on their way to Ellis Island, all had to see it, obviously. It's right there, right? Battery Park. Here's the French gave us that statue. Well, for those who've been to the statue, at the base of the statue, there's broken chains. And if you go into the little museum there, you will find some chains. And you will also find that the Statue of Liberty was an example, an example, that wasn't initially accepted by Americans, but enslaved women. If you look at the Capitol Dome, the Capitol Dome, you will find that there is a statue there. And this statue was created by a black man. And you, it, there's been modifications to it because it was, again, to resemble, because this is Black History Month, so for those who don't know, giving you a little history here. That's the purpose of our own voices. At the, that statue on the Capitol Doom was a symbol of enslavement and enslaved freedom. See, throughout many areas of our country, there were different types of protests to slavery. And even in the world. And sometimes it takes the pressure of outsiders to force those on the inside to do the right thing. The same thing could be said for Dr. King and the Civil Rights Movement in the 60s. Even though he showed the brutality of separate but equal in laws and in practicality and actual use. It was other countries that America was speaking out against and that was accusing of atrocities, political and false imprisonment, abuse of its people. It was those countries that after Dr. King and those who were with him, because it wasn't just Dr. King. It was those countries from the outside that when America talked about the abuses of Russia, when America talked about the abuses of China, and occasionally when it talked about the apartheid system, notice they had some issues talking about that, of South Africa. It was those countries that turned to America 
and using a phrase, a biblical phrase that is common in our lexicon today, our vernacular, it told America basically how dare you talk about how dare you talk about this little spite in my eye, this little speck, when you got a plank in yours called Jim Crow. When America, when you're still hanging your citizens without due process, and even today, North Korea, Iran, to tell America that you are one of the only countries, if not the only country on the planet that officially authorizes slavery. The last country to do away with slavery, I believe, somebody fact-checked me, was Mauritania, Mauritania, Africa, in, ooh, I want to say 1989. But somebody fact-check me because, like I said, I'm a little older now. But it's not actually true that the last country to abolish slavery was Mauritania in 1989, if I have my dating countries right, because America still has it in its constitution, that America authorizes slavery according to supposedly the greatest freedom paper ever written, the United States Constitution. I'm saying that as that shining city on the hill, that beacon of hope for not just others that come to our shores, but really for all the world, where people will get on really old tires to float from Cuba, where people will dig tunnels, will go under and over walls and fencing to get here for a better life. Yes, that America still authorizes slavery in the 21st century, February 11th, 2017. And though it might be symbolic in nature to some, there are actual consequences because it changes the way people perceive their fellow human beings and, to be quite honest, their fellow countrymen because they're not slaves. If you see them as a slave, you dehumanize them as a slave, you mistreat them as a master treats a slave, and then it infects the psyche of those who are inflicting this on their fellow human beings, their fellow countrymen. You see how it can metastasize itself and infect all that's around it, the minds of the young, when they got a chance to come out to the picnic to watch blacks being hung, lynched. You know, they just had a book that came out about Emmett Till because it does affect our minds. So, yes, I'm calling on all citizens of Nevada, all citizens of America, for that matter, all citizens of the world, as much as I can reach them, I implore you to point out that America still authorizes slavery in its constitution under the 13th Amendment, and that America, if it wants to hold its position of moral high ground and authority in the free world, that it must, must means mandatory, it has to happen, abolish slavery 
and every vestige of it from any type of authorization in our Constitution. And I'm calling on FADA to be the first to leave it as the battle-born state, the state that was born out of the Civil War to end the scourge of slavery in this country. I'm calling on Nevada because it's city council in North Las Vegas. The majority of them are Democrats. The city council of Las Vegas, the majority of them are Democrats. The state legislature, both houses, are controlled by Democrats. Both houses, the assembly and the Senate leadership, the speaker and the leader, are African-American, and I believe both of them are lawyers in the personage of Assemblyman Jason Frierson and State Senator Aaron, Aaron Ford. This is our moment. This is our time. And I would ask you to ask your legislators feel on this. Contact them, call them, email them, social media. Start it today. There's no better day. And what really pushed me over this is because just two days ago was, I believe, the second anniversary of the passing of the late, great Samuel L. Smith, Sam Smith to many. And he said, don't preach me a sermon. Show me one. So I don't want to just talk about what can be done. I want to do something, and this is a thing I believe I can do. But this, it takes more than me. It takes many of us. So I'm asking you, first of all, do you support it? And if you support it, I'm asking you to put it in social media. You can hashtag it however you like. I say we need to modify the 13th before the next 28th. Because it's 28 days in February normally, unless it's a leap year. It is the birthday that celebrates President Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass. It's the birth month for them both. So let's start it in the birth month of those that we celebrate for helping us have this freedom. And then before the next 28, let's make sure that it's changed. I think we can do it, and I think Nevada is the state to start it. I think we're uniquely positioned right now. And don't let those legislators tell you, well, it's not good for me to say that right now. Because if not now, when? If not them, who? And yes, you. Let abolish the 13th the last vestiges of slavery before the next 28. I, I believe, I know we can do it, but I know it takes people to mobilize. When you go to the Blue Martini Sunday night, I know you go in there to get your drink on, get your party on, hang out with friends, get your, get your grub on, listen to some music, let your hair down. I, I understand that. But since there's probably about 800 people that's going to come and go, and most of them are going to look like you and me, it's a great time to pass it on. Time to modify the 13th before the next 28th. 
we got to get rid of this slavery thing, this slavery reference. It, it also shows an exercise of power. A lot of people say we don't have power. There are enough black people to elect almost anyone in any office in Nevada if they would go vote because of the percentage of people who actually vote. So the reason why you don't have the power may be because you don't exercise it. And like any muscle, if you don't exercise it, it begins to atrophy. It begins to shrink, diminish, get smaller, weaker. So here's what could be a little victory, some might say. Some might say it's symbolic victory. But if it's that little and it's that symbolic, meaning it won't hurt anything, maybe it'll help something. So let's unify over this. Now, we're going to talk about something else, and Brother Ender talked about education and the school to prison pipeline. We're going to talk about that next week. But this week, because I wanted to let this lead into it, spread the word that did you know slavery is still authorized in America according to its Constitutional 13th Amendment? And let them know that if there's ever a time that we've been in a position of power, in Nevada, with the largest city, North Las Vegas, Las Vegas, being run by Democrats, because we're, most black people are Democrats, right? That's supposed to be our power base. Well, what good is a power base if you don't exercise power? And not just exercise power for power's sake, but exercise power to achieve something more. That's why we have it. Las Vegas, North Las Vegas, majority Democrats. I believe even our school board, even though it's nonpartisan, as majority Democrat, fifth largest in the nation, I believe. And then you have our state legislature. And, yeah, I keep hammering it home because I want to make sure that you all understand the position of power, or I should say potential power, that we're in. Because if you don't exercise power when you have it, you probably won't keep it. Frederick Douglass says, all you get, you may not get all you work for, but all you get will be because you worked for it. Let's work for this one. Our topic today was the abolishment of slavery from the 13th Amendment. And I said, we have to abolish slavery from the 13th Amendment. We have to do it in, before the next 28th. A big shout out to our one uh, caller today. Wow. In uh, Mr. Ender Austin, uh, running for North Las Vegas City Council. Uh, big shout out to that brother. And you'll be able to go to, uh, and we'll post it, some of his contact information, and contact him and talk to him. Get to know what it is and help him. You know, don't just say, I like it that you're running, and, you know, give him a like on Facebook. That doesn't buy any uh, stationery, business cards, flyers, posters. It doesn't pay for any meet and greet. Uh, barbecues, you know, this, it, it, he talked about capitalism. Politics is fueled by capitalism. And if he wants to be successful, he's going to need a little bit of that fuel. He'll also need some of your, your physical energy as well, so phone bank and door knock. So thank you all. We'll see you next week, next Saturday, hopefully at 1230, which is our normal time. That's 1230 p.m. on the West Coast, 330 p.m. for those of you back east. Once again, the title of our show today was The Abolishment of Slavery and the 13th Amendment. All right, everybody. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.